And uh, what's wrong with milk and something? You get milk out of it. You you don't drink milk, Dave. I know, but some people do. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Come on. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real life sequel? Stab two? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. Hey, no, wow. Wow. come on, man. Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. It's bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. Yeah. Aliens, far better than the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's no accounting for taste. Thank you, Ridley Scott rules. Hi, welcome to Style Guide with your hosts, Stephen Orr and Dave Morris. How you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great. How you doing, Steve-O? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Excited Fantastic. to talk about sequels and prequels and various other quills. Yeah, lots of quills. Lots of quills here. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. <laughs> and spinoffs. They're not a quill. Yep, spinoffs, companion pieces, reboots. There's lots of them. Reboots. Yeah, that that's where we're going to get complicated, I think. You think? I think that's actually going to be one of the easier parts of this conversation. Uh, yeah, so for those people listening, uh, <clears throat> Steve and I have had a very, very long conversation about sequels one day. And uh, that kind of is what actually inspired this podcast idea. It was just this idea of like, let's get into the, the nitty gritty details of what makes something something. So what makes a sequel a sequel or what makes an origin story an origin story? And uh, that kind of is what inspired this whole podcast. So uh, I'm actually super excited to revisit this topic. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good. All revolving around the question of whether Frasier is a sequel to the television series Cheers. That is what started it out. That is what started it out. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's get into it. What is what is a sequel, Steve-O? Well, I think th- there's a sense in which it's it's straightforward and obvious. A sequel... Uh, is any uh, anything that follows in sequence from something else? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the very like very generic uh, statement. Yes, <laughs> which is a completely unhelpful statement, but uh, it's it's a starting place because yeah. Or I prefer I prefer the Wikipedia sort of definition of it, where it's a it's a narrative or uh, other work of film or television that continues the story or expands upon some earlier work. Which still isn't very helpful because it just says expands upon some earlier work, which kind of opens it up to be just about anything. But it's a little more helpful than it just follows in sequence. Right, right. Um, and I think the expands upon uh, figuring out what we mean by that. Does that mean expands upon the narrative, expands upon the characters, expands upon the st- setting, or expands upon the theme? Yeah, and or any of those. And any. that's where and that's where sequels and prequels. And uh, spin-offs and all that get really kind of muddled in that part of the definition, where it's very clear when we're following the same character, continuing the same story, it's very clear to say, ah, yes, this is a sequel. Iron Man 2 is clearly a sequel to Iron Man. Uh, and not, not only in name, but in just sequence of story. Right. Whereas when you get to something like Fraser, which is uh, which takes the character Fraser from Cheers and spins him off into his own show, is that just a spinoff, or would we still consider that a sequel? Because it does follow in sequence and has similar characters expanding upon similar themes. Right, right. Uh, and then it it gets uh, also tricky when you look at something like the original S- Star Wars movies, and then we look back at what are commonly called the prequels, mm-hmm. but doesn't continue really the same narrative. And largely not the same setting as well. Yeah. Unless a universe is a setting. 
Which... And I think I think in the case of sequels and prequels, I, the universe is the, the the stories do need to take place in the same universe as the other stories. That's a definite part of the story. Like uh, like the prequels exist in the same world as Star Wars, where there is the Force and there is that sort of you know spaceships flying around and lasers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I think that is an important element of a sequel. Like Fraser exists in the same world as Cheers. Does that make it a sequel? That's not the only thing that's going to make it a sequel, but that is part of what makes it a sequel. Right, right. Uh, I think that's definitely the case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the obvious ones. It continues the story with the same characters. Obvious sequel. Some of the less obvious ones, and some of the places where when we first talked about this, we got into great debate, are things like Fraser and Cheers, or uh, I think the better example for people out there who've probably actually not seen Fraser, um, is, uh, is Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation. Is Star Trek The Next Generation a sequel series to Star Trek? Which only gets more complicated the more that we think about it, obviously, because Star Trek is a fairly vast universe. Yes, yeah. Uh, which also kind of brings into play, like, what, what's the difference between a sequel or a, a spiritual successor? Or a companion piece, or uh, or um, or a reboot, or even a standalone sequel. That's another one. That's that's an interesting one to talk about. A standalone sequel. Yeah, standalone sequels are are uh, are actually probably easier to to notice. Things like uh, like the Wolverine. Remember the Wolverine? Not the X Men Origins Wolverine, but the Wolverine. <laughs> there were two. One was bad. One was not the worst. And, right. Uh, and it. You do not have to have seen the X-Men series at all to be able to watch Wolverine uh, or the Wolverine because it was like its own total story and stuff like that. So it is technically a sequel because it follows in sequence and it follows a character. But you don't have to have seen the other one to understand what's happening. So they refer to that as a standalone sequel. That's interesting because when I think about the Wolverine, I think of it as a direct sequel to uh, X-Men The Last Stand. Yeah, or are you thinking of uh, Wolver- uh, X Men Origins, the Wolverine, or or else the Wolverine one where he goes to Japan? Like, there's a, but there was a few of them that were made. I'm but- thinking the Wolverine <laughs> is the one where he goes to Japan, and it's in the wake of uh, the death of Jean Grey and his mopiness around that. Am I? Is that the one when he goes to Japan? Oh, okay, all right. I'll yeah, and, and then isn't Origins the one that happens during the Civil War that is a prequel to both yes, X-Men yes. and the Wolverine? Yes. So, yeah, but, like, the Wolverine, like, the one, that one where uh, where you know that Jean Grey is, is a part of the story. Like, he's having dreams about her or something like that. I can't remember the movie that well. But he's having dreams about Jean Grey and seeing her everywhere. You don't have to have seen the X-Men movies to understand what Wolverine's going through in the rest of that story. You know, he's out avenging an old friend and fighting all these, like, you know, ninjas and stuff. I really don't remember that movie. <laughs> right. Okay. So what makes it a standalone is is the fact that it can be independent, although it need not necessarily be. Yes, exactly. It can okay. be considered an independent movie. And if you've seen the other ones, it's great. And if you haven't, you can still watch it. Uh, like, like uh, I think... I think uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is considered to be a standalone sequel as well because it is definitely following the 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 other movies and Vin Diesel makes a quick cameo in it. But you don't know don't need to know the other Fast and Furious movies to watch Tokyo Drift and get the story because it's not continuing anything. Unlike Furious Seven, where when you watch it like like I did, where you haven't seen any of the other ones and you just watch Furious Seven, 
you know there are so many stories that you just do not understand. <laughs> um, there's like all these backstories that you just totally don't get. Uh, you don't need that. Doesn't happen when you watch Tokyo Drift. Right. Right. Okay. I, I just do want to back up, and you did say that uh, knowing the Last Stand makes the Wolverine great, and I'm just gonna pull back <laughs> and say the word "great" is a little strong there. Sorry. I mean, it would. Uh, it it may, makes more sense. Yeah. It may. Uh, in- increase your value of the film your enjoyment of the film not make it great but make it better <laughs> I mean, yeah ex- acceptable I can, I can appreciate that yeah but okay. to, to bring so, it back to star trek yes so at the end of the star trek the original series which i confess i don't actually remember how the series ends okay but at the end of the series at the end of the series, we the implication is we're going to continue the narrative of uh, these characters on this enterprise in this universe beyond the the confines of this television show and actually beyond the confines of the six movies. But then we get to the next generation. We're not following any of those characters, any of that narrative, and it's just another ship called the Enterprise. Yes. Yeah, because uh, like it, it would be super easy to say yes, it's a sequel if Star Trek: The Next Generation was Captain Kirk on the ship. Right, we'd go. Aha, it's a sequel. But because it's not Captain Kirk, and there's none of the same characters, and there's none of the same anything, but it is the same universe and shares this a similar name or has the same name with the 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 suffix of the Next Generation. That's what makes it like, oh, maybe it is a sequel. And I still am not sure if I would call it a sequel series. I, I kind of want to call it a spiritual successor, but I don't think that's quite right either. I think a spiritual successor doesn't, need, doesn't even exist in the same universe. Yeah, whereas the next generation clearly, even from the very beginning, takes place in the same universe. They're on the exact same mission. Yeah, to explore space. And they are on, uh, they're, they're still part of Starfleet. You know, and they have the uniforms and the same colors, although they switch them around, don't they? Like, yeah, they they change no, the outfits. No, no a science, bit. No, but science still wears blue, and uh, but yeah, but like leaders, like command wears red instead right. of yellow, which Kirk was wearing. Right, and and that's where the difference between red shirts and then command nerdy yeah. nerdy point for us to make. But yeah, so is it a sequel? What do you say? Well. I'm tempted to say that it is, particularly when you look at it in the context of uh, the seventh Star Trek movie, Star Trek Generations, Mm -hmm. which which takes place both, uh, well, during Star Trek The Next Generation and after Star Trek VI, which was the original cast, Yeah, where Kirk and Picard meet up. Mm -hmm. And and it's, there's very, very much a clear passing of the baton uh, of commanding the enterprise from one captain to the other yeah and there there's something uh, about the interaction between those characters that that makes it clear there is a strong connection sure yeah oh i i think and you know what i think the more i think about this the more i agree with you that it is a sequel series because like I don't, I don't i don't know what else you could refer to it as the only thing i might say about star trek the next generation is that it may fall into that standalone series uh, standalone sequel uh, idea of it's a standalone sequel series because it clearly follows the it's clearly in the same universe same ship same name but if you haven't seen the original series tng still makes perfect sense and 
having seen the original series does not improve your enjoyment of TNG. And I think that's just evidenced by the fact that most people who are Star Trek fans nowadays like start, started with TNG and the original series, some of them haven't even seen. Yeah, and I think that's right. Although I think uh, as the series progressed, it started to get more complicated where we saw more connections being made between various episodes. Um, the the trouble with Tribbles, the um, the Naked Now uh, parallels where yeah. everyone went crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the alternate universe stuff. Uh, it all kind of spawns from the original series, which I think is, you know, it's... It, uh, you don't you don't have to have seen it to understand any of those things. Uh, having seen it may improve your or increase your enjoyment of those moments, but not having seen it, you can still totally watch it. And they even make a point of any time they do refer to Kirk or or Scotty, the great ones, I guess, of, of old. They tell us who they are. You know, they yeah. do, they do introduce those characters. They don't assume that you know who they are because it's part of the same series. You know, like they. They understand that, hey, we should introduce who Scotty is. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. It might be might fit as a standalone sequel, but there is definitely a sequel nature to it. Yeah, because it's de- it's not a reboot because we're not restarting it. We're not we're not remaking it in any way. Uh, it's not happening at the same time, or or so it's not like a sidequel or a, or like a like a, a spinoff where it takes a character and focuses on that. It is clearly afterwards. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would fall into uh, a sa- I would call it a standalone sequel series, which is something we haven't talked about the the significance between sequel and series, because like, right. like uh, there is a it's pretty arbitrary when it becomes a series, I think. Uh, and uh, no one I haven't been able to find a clear definition. And I think it's just once you have enough sequels, you just refer to it as a series now, like like Fast and Furious is a pretty much just a series of films now it's not like each one is a sequel to the other they're all part of the same series and same same, like the james bond movies the same kind of idea yeah but you wouldn't refer to the speed movies as a series no there's two of them now three maybe no just two but yeah it's just like oh it's a sequel yeah a series you need to have i would say a series becomes more than three like more than three is where it's like okay this is now a series so like uh yeah uh three or more or more than three because mm, there's trilogy. We have the word trilogy. And I think once you get past trilogy, we might just refer to them as a series of films. Like the well, Harry Potter, Harry Potter series. It's not the Harry Potter octology. But it is the Hunger Games quadrilogy. Is it a quadrilogy right now? Well, they're they're making the fourth movie. Yeah. Or they've made it. I don't know. I, I think time it. will tell on that one, but I think people are going to call it the Hunger Games series. Yeah, and I and I suppose it's, that's more of an arbitrary whether yeah. we call it a trilogy or not, because we always referred to the Star Trek series, even Star Wars series, even uh, even prior to the prequels. I think. I think they were referred to mostly as a trilogy, though. Yeah, I think trilogy is just a nice sounding word. So when there's three of something, we like to use trilogy. But once it gets past three, like like Pirates of the Caribbean, you don't want to call that a a uh, whatever is there. Is there five? Is it a quintology or whatever? I think there's a fifth coming. Yeah, I but. think you just call it the the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, you know, as one like clump, uh, and that actually has a standalone sequel in it too. I think it's the the fourth one because you know, it sort of starts a whole new adventure or something. I honestly have not watched it, but yeah, I think I think I would almost call actually the the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie a spinoff because it it moves away from the core cast and and starts to follow Captain Jack Sparrow. I think. Almost exclusively? 
Yeah, it does. It follows Jack Sparrow and like a whole bunch of new characters and stuff. So that's where it's like it's referred to as a standalone sequel because it does follow the events of the other movies, but it just it's you don't have to have seen them anymore because right. they, because it's just none of those characters are in it anymore. Right. So to continue on Star Trek, then it becomes pretty clear that DS9 is a sequel uh series to Next Generation. Yeah, and this is where the where I would disagree only because of the timeline issue of it. Whereas a sequel takes place afterward. Whereas DS9 takes place at the same time. Technically, yeah, there it is a It starts at the same over. time. And so because of that, that's where we have things like midquels or sidequels. Uh, whereas in this case, I think it's it's safe to use the term spinoff for DS9. That it's a spinoff of TNG. Because it, it, uh, it takes the concept of Star Trek and spins it off into a different kind of world, uh, which is the space station, right? And it very clearly goes off of the ship into a whole new kind of environment and does take some of the same characters, like it takes O'Brien, right? O'Brien comes over. And in the first episode of DS9, it has, like, Captain or Captain Picard and, uh, and some of the other crew as they're helping DS9 get started. So it's very much like, hey, look, this is this other show you like. We're going to take this character and put them in this other world and start a whole new series Uh using that idea. So that's where that's where we fall into spin-off uh, as opposed to sequel. And part of that has to do with the complete change in theme too. And the complete change in uh maybe not th- it's, I guess you could call it theme, but I think the theme stays Oh no, the theme does switch because it's not about exploration anymore. It's more about sort of like politics and like having yeah. to actually stay put and build a relationship. Like what happens after the ship flies in and meets a planet? This is what happens after. It takes seven years to just like build like trust between the two peoples. Um, and it has the whole thing with the worms, whole aliens and stuff. So I think, I think DS9 falls into a spinoff series uh, because it spins right off. Voyager, on the other hand, I would be more interested to hear your opinion on. Is Voyager a spinoff or is it a sequel? Well, here, here's where it's interesting. I think Voyager is both a spinoff of DS9, mm-hmm. but, but a... A thematic sequel to the next generation. Yeah, and I would actually agree on that on that statement. Uh, although I think the like I think uh, you mentioned this once before that the spin-off element is very loose that it spins off of DS9 because it sort of has the Maquis in it, right? Which are like the rebels in DS9. Isn't that yeah. the premise? And the two a Maquis ship and a Enterprise or and a and a U.S. Starfleet ship end up on the other side of space together like lost in space and then they have to join forces and that's where the tension in the show is so it kind of does take that theme from ds9 of the maquis uh but that's it does that does that constitute a spinoff if it doesn't take any characters with it well the idea felt like it was going to be taking some of the elements of the politics of deep space nine where the interactions between the crew were going to be rooted in this conflict of maquis and starfleet yeah. Um so that kind of pulls pulls some of the uh political drama aspects of Deep Space 9 while rooting it in what is essentially just an exploration of space on, on the way home mm-hmm. style of the next generation. Yeah. So it is kind of like trying to combine the two, which is where it is like it is like a spin-off and it is like a sequel. Yeah, which is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that points to one of the reasons that Voyager failed is that it tried to straddle both worlds. Sure. 
And I, I just never really liked it personally. I didn't like many of the characters. Yeah, it it it, it just didn't have the fun that uh, TNG had, and it didn't have the uh, the narrative chops that DS Nine had. Yeah, yeah, it took too much from everything. Like it had like a a Vulcan science officer again. It had uh, I mean the only new thing it had, which I think was probably my favorite part of that whole series, was the uh, was the holographic Doctor. I thought that was. That was the step. Their step in like a cool direction was like, oh, a hologram as the doctor, and he's like been operating for so long. He's starting to develop feelings and stuff. Interesting. Like that was where I found it to be the most uh, most exciting. Yeah, which is the m- most different part. Uh, I mean, it, it that's actually actually no, that's really just taking data. Now that I think of it, uh, taking the idea of the android. Yeah, but they made him a hologram, so he'd disappear and reappear and stuff, which I thought was neat. And he was an emergency program that ended up running permanently. Yeah, yeah, there there were definitely cool elements to that. Yeah, but you're right, it is kind of taking data. They did just take a bunch of everything and smash it on a ship together, which is probably why it didn't work. Yeah, and then they tried to make it sexy as well. Which they did? Oh, Seven of Nine. Yeah, seven she was of pretty nine. hot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which when you, when you really look back and think about it, I mean, the sexualization of Star Trek, probably the, the closest you come is Captain Kirk shirtless. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> or or Deanna Troy. She they always put her in skirts. Yeah, I guess they did. I just it's weird because looking back, I don't look at Deanna Troy uh, as a sexual figure on that show, whereas Seven of Nine on Voyager very clearly was was sexual. Yeah, Deanna Troy wasn't necessarily sexual, but she was like you know a lot of like young nerdy teenage boys crush. They all had a crush on Deanna Troy. Well, that's that's because she was an empath and she could read your emotions. <laughs> nope, that's not why. But okay. Um. Now, the reason that I wanted to talk about all this Star Trek stuff, not to get to Star Trek Enterprise, because... Ignore it. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird series. Clearly but, a prequel series, but we don't have to talk about it. But I wanted to get to the new Star Trek movies. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because... So it, they made it very clear that they were rebooting the Star Trek universe, both prior to... Uh, the the release of the movie and then the movie itself takes a great deal of liberty with the Kirk Spock relationship. Yes, but they also made it clear at the very beginning that the timeline was splitting. Is this where you're going with this? Yeah, that it was going it was going to be a a new timeline that was caused by B a character from the original series. Spock. That's true. Yeah. So is it a reboot or is it a uh, a sidequel, right? Or a spin-off? Right. Because it has Spock as Spock being played by Leonard Nimoy, which clearly ties it in to the original series. Mm-hmm. And uh the timeline breaks, which is it which explains all of the every single uh difference from the original series as is explained easily by a time rift right so now now it's not like they've changed the world it's that they actually changed the world in the story the story has changed the world uh not the makers of the story so i think uh if this is where you're going with it that yeah i wouldn't call it a sequel or a prequel or a reboot i would call it either a side quell or a mid quell or an interquill or a or even a parallel story because it is happening at the same time as the original series. Or actually, I guess it's happening before, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, uh, largely before, uh, although only kind of. Yeah, because, because they do end up being captains of the Enterprise at the end. So that would mean that the first one would be a prequel, but the second one is definitely just like a parallel story or a sidequel. Right. So they've they've done somehow an in-continuity reboot of the narrative that allows them to tell a sidequel story. Yeah, and anytime they like they're retelling, so they're yeah, it is interesting because they have re- they definitely were rebooting. Like that's what they're doing. They're doing a reboot. They're going to do the same kinds of stories that we saw uh, in the original Star uh, Star Trek films. So they like they did Khan again. They redid the Khan story, except they twisted it and made it different. But yeah. then in the story, Spock talks to the old Spock from the other series about their fight with Khan. And so they are officially a- acknowledging that it existed as it did when we first saw it. So the reboot is still acknowledging the other series. So it's not actually a reboot because the other series still did happen in their universe. So therefore, it has to be a parallel story. Right. Which is super weird. Which is weird, but, I mean, if you think about it, it is in a parallel universe, so the story should be called a parallel story. It makes it makes perfect sense. Even though it has all of the other uh, attributes that we would give to a reboot, where they, they start at the beginning and they use the same characters and they tell the same stories. Uh, and they've rebooted it like they would do with Spider-Man. They would do. I'm not saying they have done. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, uh, so it has all the qualities of a reboot, but that it manages to stay within the uh, parallel story realm. Yeah, that is that is cool. Yeah. And the reason that they're able to do that, of course, is because of tra- time travel. But where this gets kind of strange is when you look at something like the James Bond movies. Yes. The James Bond movies do mess up a lot of talk of sequels and prequels and everything because they, because they, they were kind of sequels, but they were never really sequels, and most of them were standalone sequels. If you'd even call them a sequel, because they, they, they change the actor around. It's a totally different story. The other stories have nothing to do with anything that's happening. Uh, the characters change race. They change like hair color. They change everything uh, throughout the whole series. So is it even? Is it even a, a? Are they even sequels of each other or not? And the newer ones, especially the newer ones, did go reboot style and start at the very beginning of Bond's career, or even prequel style, uh, and go back before he was 007 and give him his 007 status. So yeah, I I've no I I don't I don't even know where to start. Well, and and that's my problem because if you just look at the new ones, Casino Royale through, uh, I was going to say Skyrim, Skyfall, <laughs> yeah, you you do. It's clear that those movies are, or the the latter two uh, are sequels of each other. Like mm-hmm. They build they build upon the events of the prior movies. The character develops uh, logically from them. Um, it it continues the same story, same characters with a um, with new elements, but. Those are sequels of each other. Yeah, that's clear. Yeah, and that and like that is a, 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 I think that is because of the time they're being made. And nowadays, sequels and series are really popular in Hollywood and have been are being made way more than than they used to be ever in Hollywood's history. If you go back through Hollywood, there were more, there were sequels and there were reboots and there were remakes, but they were all much more fun and and not like committing to like a seven movie deal kind of thing. Like Bond is one of the few that has lasted from that time to this time. So we've got, we have, 
examples of Bond sequels back when it originally started and sequels now now today. No other movie series has gone that far. Uh, so it does give us an example of like, hey, this is what Hollywood's like now, where we try to carry on the same story and the same everything. Whereas before it was more like, yeah, let's just make another James Bond movie. Yeah, even with the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies, they didn't care so much about continuity of the character between them or the events that happened in them didn't didn't continue to influence the character in the in the following movies they were just each standalone james bond movies that happened to star pierce brosnan yeah exactly and that's where it's like so i think it's for the most it's clearly a series it's not just a a bunch of sequels uh even though they are all sort of they're sequels of each other uh in some way shape or form and i think uh I think that that is a that is a very confusing movie franchise uh, <laughs> like, as to what the story is. It's like when people try to plot out like the actual real timeline of Zelda, you know, and they like try to figure out what what video game is first and second and third and fourth and this and, and try and figure it out. And it's like, ah, those, those video games weren't made necessarily with that in mind. Uh, and the same with the James Bond movies. They weren't made necessarily with like this movie is coming after this one and this one and this one and that one and this one. Because you could take some of those other uh, Bonds, the older ones, and just shuffle around the order and watch them and it wouldn't matter. Right, right. It would, it would make no difference. Bond switches between the movies anyway, so it wouldn't, you wouldn't even notice. Uh, the biggest giveaway would be the film quality. Right. The, the only thing that makes that weird is when uh, George Lazenby says, uh, what does he say in... Your Majesty's Secret Service. He says, this never happened to the other guy. Yeah, where they go meta with it. <laughs> yeah, he, he turns to the camera and references the the previous Bond. And and so they just decide to, uh, to make those of us looking for continuity have our heads explode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although, like, James Bond, as confusing as that is of a movie franchise. Uh, and I'm glad we're moving into movies because we were talking a lot about television, which gets confusing in its episodic nature anyway right as to when is something a sequel because every episode is a sequel to the episode before etc etc uh um and uh i'm glad we're in movies because we can finally talk about the the elephant in the room which is the marvel movies right of course which uh you sent me before we did this uh, podcast you sent me a <laughs> a diagram you drew by hand which I am going to post on the show notes at thestyleguide.ca if people want to look at this, um, that has the timeline of the Avenger movies and which one happened when, before, what other movie, and how they all tie in together. And it is a confusing mess, but it does give us the ability to look at which ones are sequels and or prequels to other ones. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, like, uh, I think the first one was... Uh, was Iron Man before The Incredible Hulk or after? Iron Man came before The Incredible Hulk, yes. Yeah, so Iron Man was the movie that kind of launched this Marvel franchise. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, was so good that they decided to go ahead with this crazy project mayhem, that I'm going to call it, of The Avengers. Uh, so Iron Man, Iron Man 2, clearly sequels. No debate there. Yep. Uh, Incredible Hulk, just a standalone movie, just a movie. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, sequel to Iron Man? Uh, Pre- prequel to Iron Man? Standalone does, movie? 
does reference Tony Stark Sr. Yeah. Has Iron Man's dad in it and has Samuel Jackson at the end. <laughs> but I don't think that's enough to make it a prequel. I think yeah. <laughs> that I think that it's in the same universe, but it's a completely different character with a completely different narrative, uh, with a completely different theme that doesn't at all resemble yeah, so Iron Man. This is what's great about the Marvel movies and this conversation is that the Marvel movies and I I think I don't think it's too far too uh too hyperbolic to say that these new Marvel movies have have uh, done something with cinema that has never been done before, which is to do in a movie way, like in a in a, in a Hollywood cinematic world, uh, f- a series of films, uh, a collection of films, if you will, uh, do what has only ever been done in like comic books and maybe you could say television series, but uh, but now they're doing it on the big screen in all these standalone movies that tie together into the same universe. Uh, and I think it's awesome. And I think it's very cool. I don't know if all the movies are good. I'm not like, let's not get into that discussion. Right. But it does draw into, are these considered parallel stories? Are they companion pieces? Are they spiritual successors? Are they midquels? Are they sequels? Do we have to do it on a, on a movie by movie basis? Or can we just say they are all uh, the like episodes of the same story? What do you think? And that's where it gets really interesting because if you think about the Avengers as kind of the core of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which it didn't start that way, but that's, I think, a fair assessment right now. The the Avengers, we could say, is the center point because there is a sequel to the Avengers and there are sequels to all of the movies that were in the Avengers that came out after the Avengers, right? Did the, Did Thor The Dark World come after the Avengers? I believe it did. I think so. And Captain America yeah. the Winter Soldier did. Iron Man 3 did. There hasn't been a new Hulk movie. I wonder why. Um, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the television series, was after the Avengers, right? Yep, it was definitely after the Avengers. So, like, there have been a lot of sequels since the Avengers and Guardians right. of the Galaxy and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, if we look at the Avengers as the center point. Yeah. It's very clear that the Avengers is not just a standalone piece. While you could go in and watch the Avengers just having seen no other Marvel movie, yeah, it is, I think, very clearly a sequel to five other movies. Sure. Well, I mean, it's uh, the Avengers is clearly a sequel to the Iron Man movies. Yeah. Sure. And uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Yeah. And they actually have a scene from that movie or like they have a scene from that movie in the Avengers, right? Cause isn't the after credits of captain America, the first Avenger where, uh, he goes in and he's punching the punching bag and stuff like that. And it's also right. in the Avengers. Um, it's a sequel to Thor. Yeah. Cause he even asks about the girl and the other guy is in it. The scientist guy. Um, the only one where it's not really would be the incredible Hulk. And that's because they decided that they didn't like Edward Norton and they got rid of that whole, movie even though they've kept the story as being what actually happened because tony stark's in that one right he's in the incredible hulk is yeah at the at the very end do there's a cameo of them in in the movie in one of the parties they're at or something like that and like a, a flash too and you see him just very briefly okay uh so it's clearly in the same world and they it was, it was made with that intention of it being in the same world right um so Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so like it, it, they they got rid of the actor, but they kept the the movie. They just haven't decided to make a sequel yet. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Which I'm not sure that Mark Ruffalo could actually uh, do an entire movie as the Hulk and have it be interesting. But. What are you talking about, man? Him and uh, him and uh, Scarlett Johansson having like a like a rom com kind of movie? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm not gonna respond to that comment. <laughs> I was clearly picking a fight. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the Avengers movies, yeah. So what do we call these things? Like, do like if we look at each movie, it's really easy to see that Captain America: The Winter Soldier clearly a sequel to Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, is it a sequel to the Avengers? I don't know. I guess yes. I guess it is. It is because it's about what happened after New York. Uh, Iron Man Three is clearly a sequel to the Avengers because it's all about. The, the the idea of him being like uh, traumatized from the events of New York and stuff like that. Uh, the Thor: The Dark World is it clearly a sequel to the Avengers? Yeah, it they they reference it and and uh, she's like after that whole thing in New York and you haven't talked to me and blah blah and she's so mad at him and stuff like that. So yeah, so I think those yeah, so I think everything is a sequel to the Avengers and the movie of itself. But is Thor a sequel to Iron Man? No, no. Very much not. So it's weird because it has this like sort of anchor movie, The Avengers, where all of those movies come together and it becomes a sequel to all of them. But then they break out again and go into their own standalone movies. So it's like standalone movies into a new movie that puts them all together, which would be a sequel to them. And then they break apart into their own standalone sequels again. And then they go back together again for Age of Ultron and then break apart again and so on and so forth. Right. Which is only going to get more complicated as we move into the future with the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, uh, the various Marvel television series that are coming out. Yeah, well, I mean, it's already confusing with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, is, it, is it a sequel or is it just a, a parallel story? Is it a companion piece? Because it kind of happens alongside the Avengers movies. But it's clearly in the same world, like the Collector who was in the end of Thor The Dark World. You meet the Collector because he's getting the thing from them at the very end after the credits. Uh, that's played by Benicio Del Toro. It also has uh, it has pictures of the other Infinity Stones, right? So you see the, uh, what's that blue cube called? Um, I, I was going to say the, the Roderick the, Cube, it, the Tesseract. The Tesseract. Yes. So you see the Tesseract in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the big bad guy, what's his name, um, who sits on the floating Thanos. Rock, Thanos. He is also at the end of the Avengers movies. So like it's got all the same characters kind of happening, or same, same universe all happening together. But the story just is totally its own standalone story. So would you call it a standalone sequel or would you call it a companion piece? It just kind of happens alongside using some of the same elements, but not never actually kind of kind of tying in. Until, possibly, we get to the next Avengers movie, Ooh, which, yeah. is, which is going to be about the Infinity War, which involves the Infinity Stones from Thor, the Avengers, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And Captain America. And Captain America, right. Mm -hmm. All of these things are going to come together for the next two Avengers movies. So is it going to be the case that they then are going to become part of this same uh, Avengers story, despite having started kind of independently. Yeah, and you know what? I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And like they've done that other, the other weird thing they did with the Avengers, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen the new one, is they've almost rebranded all, they, they've changed the characters and brought in all these new characters to be the new Avengers, essentially. So like in the next Avengers movie, is Iron Man even going to be in it? Uh, is Captain America going to be featured heavily or is he just going to be at the very beginning to say, like, go get him troops and then go off to do Captain America Civil War, right? Like, 
like is the Captain America Civil War the true sequel to the Avengers movies that we have been watching where we have Captain America and I assume Iron Man's going to be in it but I don't know. The new Captain America movie is going to have almost the entire core cast of the Avengers except I believe Thor. Great. Cool cuz cuz he would just kick everyone's butt. Um so yeah. uh and he's going to go off and fight Ragnarok, right? Uh, yeah. So while he's doing his own sequel, they are going to make another sequel to the Avengers Age of Ultron, which with the characters that we've all beloved. And the new Avengers are going to go off to have this Infinity War with the Guardians of the Galaxy cast. So it's kind of this like, what the heck is going on? It is so cool. And I think it's really awesome and interesting. Uh, it doesn't make it easy to talk about the difference between a sequel and a prequel and a sidequel and a parallel story because it's it's something that hasn't really been done much. Except for in comic books. I don't know how comic books address this. What do, they, what do comic books call it? Well, I don't know what comic books call it, but you see this with both Marvel and DC where the universe gets so complicated. And we're definitely seeing that start to happen with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's going to continue with Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. All those other characters are going to shoot off into their own stories that touch on these stories. It's going to get to a point where it's very difficult to tell what's going on, when, to who in the universe. Yeah, and keep track of the timeline, which is what happens in comic books where it gets really messy. And then they eventually just reboot the whole damn thing, right? Which is, uh, which, uh, which is, and then they start again until it gets really convoluted and complicated again. Yeah, because comic books have like, they have uh, team ups, is that what they're called? When they have yep. two characters team up together, which is what we could say uh, The Avengers is, is it's a it's a big team up movie with all of these different characters. So maybe it's not a sequel, maybe it's referred to something totally different. Maybe it's a new category of, of film, uh, of a team up, uh, like a piece, uh, which is a companion piece to all the other movies. Because uh, like, but then again, you do have to have seen it to see Iron Man 3 and have it make sense. Like if you if you watched Iron Man, Iron Man two, and then Iron Man three, you are <laughs> you are missing a piece of that story. You're you're missing most of that story, right? You're missing a huge part of uh, the Iron Man series. You can't just watch those three movies without having seen the Avengers. Otherwise, it's very confusing. So it does therefore kind of fall into more of a sequel. Whereas like you can watch, you can read the Wolverine comic books. Uh, without ever reading the one where him and Captain America fight the Nazis together, right? Like, you could not read that book and you can still follow the rest of the Wolverine series. Because, uh, like, that team-up piece is kind of like a prequel and not really that, uh, like, not necessarily part of the same story. Right. Yeah, so it is a very interesting thing and very different and new in the world of, of cinema. And I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. And even though I don't like all the movies, I will keep watching them. Yeah, I, I think I, I will keep watching them and then I'll watch the various television series as well and 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 commit to it. Where, where I find it really interesting is the difference between the way they've done the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the way they've done the X-Men Cinematic Universe. As in like good versus bad? Uh, like the Marvel one did it well and the X-Men one did it poorly? Well, they, they did it in two different ways because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is built around individual characters that come together for, for movies and then shoot off and do their own stories, whereas the X-Men Cinematic Universe is built around this core group that then uh, the intention was to have them shoot off and tell more of their own stories. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a, an X-Men Origins movie about Storm. Mm-hmm. They are doing an Origins, or they're not going to call it Origins. They are going to do a Deadpool movie 
Oh, neat. So the idea was instead of like, let's let's do Iron Man and see if it works and then do all these other movies and then put them all together if it's working. They were like, let's do X-Men movie. And then if it works really well, we can spin off and do all these other movies. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I think the way Marvel did it worked because it got us invested in the character of Iron Man so heavily. Whereas in the X-Men movie, because there's so many X-Men and so many characters you're meeting, you don't really get heavily invested in any of them, except for Wolverine, because Hugh Jackman's awesome. Uh, and he is like the, he is, uh, I would, I would, I would say he is the hero of that story, that it is following his journey into the X-Men, like he's the outsider coming in and introducing us to the world. And so because of that, we connect very heavily with Wolverine's character, because we get to know him the best. Uh, so that when they do a spinoff of Wolverine, yeah, I'll watch that. I'd like to hear Jackman as Wolverine. Whereas if they did a spinoff of like Rogue, uh, I don't know if anyone would want to watch that movie unless she finally gets really strong and starts flying. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's the thing. X-Men became very rooted to its ensemble uh, and and such that they couldn't really branch off. And so they kind of had to do a reboot of that universe. Yeah, which they then did. They jumped back in time and did the prequel. Yeah. Which was like, again, watching those the prequel one, it's like, um, I would watch a Magneto spinoff. Because <laughs> that character was awesome. <laughs> he, he was pretty awesome. But they, they're really rooted to their ensemble in a way that uh, the Marvel Universe isn't. True, yeah, and that makes it uh, easier for them to expand the Marvel Universe into multiple individual stories, as well as group stories, as well as tag team stories. Whereas the Marvel one, they just didn't do as good a job creating those individual stories and individual characters. That, the X-Men one. The X-Men one, sorry. Uh, the X-Men didn't do the, the a very good job of creating those individual characters. They kind of had them uh, just good enough to carry the movie, right? Like Cyclops was just a good enough character of Cyclops. Right. Uh, but then again, I, I feel like that was always the way the X-Men were. Like, I think if you look at the X-Men comic books, I'm pretty sure the X-Men comic books, and I, I mean, I might be, uh, guess I'm guessing here. I don't have facts to back this up. But the X-Men comic book is more popular than any of the individual character comic books that came out of that, with the exception of Wolverine. Because uh, Wolverine was pretty awesome because he's such a cool character. But the uh, but like I don't know if they even tried to do a a Cyclops comic that was just Cyclops. But if I'm they sure did, they did. But if but, they did, yeah. I'm I'm positive it was not as popular as the X Men comic books. Whereas they could make and did make Iron Man comics, Hulk comics, Thor comics, uh, and they were all very successful. Uh, Captain America comics. They were all very successful on their own, as well as the Avengers. And that goes to show, like, when you look at the Avengers history, that the Avengers were never actually those four Avengers for so long. Like, the Avengers always changed changed hands as to who the Avengers were, you know? Like, uh, and I think, like, uh, what's the, what's his name? The the guy who flies that looks like Superman in the new movie? Uh, the, the, the Vision? The Vision. He was an Avenger in the comics, right? They haven't, yeah. they haven't like, destroyed what the Avengers are. He was one of the Avengers. And uh, Captain America was an Avenger. Uh, Iron Man was an Avenger sometimes. Uh, Hulk was an Avenger sometimes. You know, like it was Spider Man was an Avenger. Spider Man was an Avenger sometimes. So like the the Avengers is is sort of just a catch all name for any four awesome comic book heroes they want to put together to fight some really bad bad guy. Exactly. Which 
is why uh, seeing what happens with the Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be interesting. Because I think, similarly to X-Men, Guardians of the Galaxy is rooted to that particular ensemble. Um, the movies are, yeah, because they launched the movie like that. Whereas the comic books aren't. The comic books are, uh, they're different Guardians of the Galaxy at different times. Very no similarly idea. to the Avengers. Yeah. That that uh, Rocket and, and uh, Groot and stuff weren't always Guardians of the Galaxy, but they have been at some point in the history, right? Uh, so like... Uh, so because of that, like that, I, th- I do think you're right, though, that because they launched with that one movie, those characters definitely are are Guardians of the Galaxy. And if they try to spin off, like, I don't think if they did a spinoff called Star-Lord, it would do nearly as well. Uh, or if they did a spinoff called uh, Groot, and it's just like Groot on his own, I don't think it would do nearly as well because I think the relationship between Groot and Rocket and between Star-Lord and Gamora and all of that is like, is what makes that movie so great. Exactly. And so to bring this back to uh, other other movies is the Fantastic Four as mm. well. They've really limited themselves in what kind of stories they can tell because they're rooted to a particular ensemble instead of rooted to really interesting characters. Which is also just like it's a bad movie. So um, that, they kind of limited the stories they can tell by making a crappy movie. Um, and and yet they made a sequel to it. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know. They did. Um, so, yeah, this is this raises an interesting question about sequels and prequels. And, and part of like our culture is like uh, culturally nowadays, uh, sequels are like Hollywood lives and dies, lives and breathes on sequels. Like that is what is keeping people going to see movies, apparently, in their mind. And starting a whole new uh, franchise uh, that isn't a sequel or a spiritual successor or a reboot or somehow rooted in some former work is such a risk that they don't even do it anymore. Like, I think making Iron Man was, like, the last, like, huge risk they made you know like oh my goodness we're making iron man into a movie oh well let's hope it works uh and that is still still a spiritual successor or even one might even call it a prequel to the iron man comics right we we've changed medium there but we're still in this sequel culture or reboot or whatever uh uh just so the idea of it being based in some other work and exploring some other work is such a huge part of our culture now that that these new Marvel movies are already in their own right sequels to the Marvel comic books or spin-offs or reboots uh, of the of the Marvel comic books because uh, we haven't talked much about sequels crossing mediums like no uh, but but they do and that like the angel the a- angel has like season six or whatever the comic series or Buffy had season eight the comic book series um, so they've switched into that medium and this is is us switching back so it brings up this interesting concept of like uh, when are we going to make new movies again or new stories again? Well, let me ask you, when was the last time you went to see a movie in theaters that was not a prequel, sequel, or reboot? Um, I don't even think I can tell you. I don't think I can tell you. The last movie I saw was Mad Max, which is clearly a uh, a sequel. Or prequel. I think they were vague enough on it that it could have preceded the other movies. <laughs> it could have, yeah. But it was definitely a part of that same universe. Um, yeah. And it's either a sequel or a prequel uh, of those of the Mad Max movies. 
But like, I think that was like the last movie I saw in theaters other than like the Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, what other movies have I gone to see? The other one, like what's the, the something, something hotel or whatever. The Exotic Marigold Hotel? Yeah. Or do you mean the, no, part, you mean the Grand two. Budapest. No, I mean the Exotic Marigold Hotel because then they make a sequel to that just recently. They, they, the second uh, best, uh, the second Exotic you, Marigold Hotel. Um, I think you're right. But yeah, you know what? I think actually that, that you, just, you just dinged a bell for me. The last one I saw would have been uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think Wes, right. Wes Anderson is one of the few filmmakers out there that is actually making new properties. Whereas none of those movies are sequels to each other. None of them theoretically exist in the same universe, except that it's the style of film is so clearly the same style. But like none of them are in the, the same universe. Like you don't see the uh, the and they almost so you can't be because they're played by the same actors. Like you wouldn't see the the Royal Tenenbaums staying at the Grand Budapest Hotel. Like that just wouldn't work. Um, and those worlds are so fictional. So I think yeah, I think uh, I think Wes Anderson films are. And maybe, uh, and maybe you could, I could go and say something like, like Inception was a brand new property. Uh, yeah, Inception. Because I was going to say the last one that I saw was Her. Ah, Her. Yeah, I didn't see that one. That's why it didn't come to mind yet. But that okay. is a brand new property, right? And is it based on a book, though? I don't believe so. I hope. I mean, it's not exactly a terribly novel premise, but. Yeah, it uh, might be based on a book the same way The Matrix is based on a book. Right. Yeah, where you mean it's the like, Bible. Well, no, like it's based on, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, you know, the one I'm thinking, the really famous uh, sci-fi film, uh, or sci-fi book that, uh, Necromancer, Neuromancer, Neuromancer. Right. Yeah. Ish, based ish, not very, very loosely based on it. Cool. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I think like that, that idea that we aren't making any new properties or very few new properties. Uh, is bringing our culture to this place where everything is a sequel or a remake or a reboot. Uh, and my question to you then, uh, based on that, is this, uh, are sequels and prequels happening because of our culture? Or are, is our culture a, a is, is the fact that we're only making sequels and prequels somehow affecting our culture? Well, the the thing that I think about with prequels and sequels is my instinct is to... Um, think that they're derivative and lazy and that they're easy. And that's that's where generally I've gone with it. And I think a lot of people go there too. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. But the more that I think about it, the more that I'm okay with them in because, uh, well, some of Joseph Campbell's monomyth stuff or um, Blake Snyder's Save the Cat, mm-hmm. how really once you start to look critically at cinema or uh and any sort of narrative medium novels short short fiction television series they're all telling very very similar stories yeah the same they're hitting the same beats and they're following the same sort of hollywood blockbuster story structure we've seen a lot of yeah yeah and there are very few totally novel um narratives mm. which is which is something sequels allow us to kind of do is that where you're going with this well i th- i think that they give us at, at least an opportunity to do that to tweak uh to tweak uh, a narrative that we've already understood or a character that we've already become attached to and and think we understand so they don't necessarily provide us with a completely novel outlook but they they sometimes take it 
in a slightly different direction. Yeah, and I know what um, that is. That is probably why uh, the greatest artistic achievements is starting to be done a lot in television with uh, with HBO shows and other and Netflix original series, where they are making a series of stories. And they set out to do that at the very beginning. So the stories they end up telling uh, do take us into interesting and different places. Like, uh, like, um, like because we already know these characters and we don't have to set them up every episode, we can spend that episode telling a really neat story. And we don't have to watch the, the character become a hero. They're already a hero. They became a hero in the last episode. So this episode, we can have them you know, fall from grace. We can have them do this. We can have them go through all these different emotional arcs throughout the series of stories. Right, which you wouldn't be able to fit into a single uh, feature film. Mm-hmm. But you can fit into a series of films. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe these, the, like the Avengers and the whole series of Avengers movies is probably one of the more interesting things to go see right now in movie theaters as opposed to just watching wonderful television programs on Netflix or other, other such things. Uh, because of the fact that it is becoming this huge, long story and long series. And if they wanted to, I doubt they will, but if they wanted to, they could make Iron Man 4 uh, a very sad, slow story if they wanted to. Because the universe is so big now that they can take a chance and explore an interesting, weird spin-off story of Iron Man. Where like you know, Iron Man hangs up his his iron for a, 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 a movie and it's a whole movie where he doesn't even put on the iron man suit uh and they kind of did that a little with iron man 3 but they could do that in like a, a whole brand new way exactly well and and it's what allows them to tell a story like uh daredevil which almost is kind of this uh procedural law show mm-hmm. and a superhero show mm-hmm. or uh Captain America the Winter Soldier which is kind of an old school spy story. Yeah, they could yeah and then they can start exp- experimenting with these characters and and experimenting with storytelling in a different way. And they can do it as a two-parter uh if they wanted to. Or they could do it as one story starts in one movie and ends in another movie like if if you want to look at the story of Black Widow which is which is a fascinating one because of the fact that her story is being told through all these other characters stories. Exactly. Like her her uh, relationship with the Hulk in the last movie, which I know a lot of people were upset about and up in arms about that they made her love interest or whatever. But like if we look at that that aspect of her story versus the aspect of her story in Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, about how she can be whoever she wants to be and he's like, that's pretty lonely. It's like, oh, well, that kind of story leads to the the that gets continued in the Avengers Age of Ultron. And so like we start seeing her character get more and more explored throughout spread out amongst all these other movies right and it actually ends up uh whether or not you think she needs her own movie it ends up telling probably one of the more interesting character arcs in the entire marvel universe yeah because it isn't the classic uh origin story uh which we talked about last episode (laughs) that follows a very similar path to other origin stories uh, we didn't even get her origin story, which I think is what <laughs> is awesome that we didn't need to see her origin story, and we didn't finally we finally got a flashback of it in the last Avengers movie of her like in this crazy school for spies where they like operate on you and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like like it was great. It made that that actual scene of her flashback to her learning like where she how she became Black Widow was to me like one of the most fascinating parts of that film. That was part of the movie. I was like this. 
is awesome. The rest of the movie was good, but this is awesome because it's giving me an insight into a character and I had no idea. It kind of blew my mind. Yeah, and that that's what we're able to see with this new mode of storytelling in movies. Um, and it allows us to, to, whether or not you like the movies or not, do this kind of epic fantasy uh, narrative of Thor, right? Like, Thor is rooted in mythology, and it's, it's, it has magic and fantasy, which doesn't fit with the rest of the Avengers universe, but we can tell that story within this universe because of the nature of the divided medium. That is uh, so it's very, very true. And uh, honestly, before this conversation, I would say sequels and prequels. Uh, yeah, it's just like, come on, tell me a new story. Like, start a new property. Uh, and and uh, But now, after we've had this conversation, I'm actually leaning more toward, I, I'm now starting to see the value of sequels and the value of series in, in a film sense, especially. Because uh, I've already seen them in, in movies and or in, uh, in television and books and stuff. But in a film uh, environment, this idea of sequels is kind of cool. And it does actually open up a lot more possibilities. And it may seem like it's closing off possibilities, but I think it's actually opening up more. I think you're right. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing, because I would have uh, largely agreed with you prior to that. I would have... I, I I definitely have called sequels derivative and lazy before. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> well, and other pretentious words. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, uh, well, I think this conversation has been great. And I, I feel like I've learned a lot about sequels and prequels. And I know we talked a lot about Marvel and Star Trek. Uh, and we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Star Wars. Um, but I think it's because we don't want to talk about the Star Wars prequel if we don't have to. The Star Wars yeah. sequel, though, I am very much looking forward to. And uh, I think it clearly falls into sequel, especially from what we've seen in the trailers. I don't know how much of the trailers you've seen, but um, have you seen them? I don't want to ruin them for you. Well, I actually, uh, for those who don't know, I've been trying to take a year off seeing trailers altogether because they ruin movies. But, but... I am going to ruin a little bit of um, a spoiler alert, spoiler alert here. They are intentionally making sure we know that other characters are in the sequel. So we know that Han Solo is in the sequel series. We know that Luke Skywalker is going to be in the sequel series. We don't know what role they're going to play, how important they're going to be. But we know they're going to be in it, which is like me saying like, hey, look, this is a sequel. It's taking place afterward. It's taking place after the events. The same characters were continuing their story forward. We're going to take over with new characters, but we're taking it forward. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to see what J.J. Uh, Abrams does because I've, I've been uh, I've been enjoying everything he's been doing lately. Yeah, he's he's really knocking out the science fiction. Yeah, and looking at what Disney's done with Marvel, uh, I'm excited to see what Disney is going to do with Star Wars and turn it into that same kind of universe. Is where I'm kind of hoping is that they're going to do like you know a trilogy of Star Wars, uh, whatever they're calling this one, Rebel. What, I don't know what it's called, um, but the that this trilogy series. But out of that, they may eventually be able to do things like, like you know, uh, do a a prequel to Han Solo and show him as like a rugged uh, Indiana Jones type character, but in space with Chewie. You know, like they can do that uh, once they start opening up this world. And I think that's going to be actually just as fun as the Marvel universe and be able to tell just as interesting, if not more interesting stories in this very sci-fi based world. Right. And I, I think that uh, particularly because it's Disney 
they're they're going to recognize what they have uh, in their hands and their ability. I mean, some of us can talk about it as milking a property, but I see it as the ability to tell many different kinds of stories set in a universe that I already largely love. And uh, what's wrong with milking something? You get milk out of it. You you don't drink milk, Dave. I know, but some people do. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Come on. Um, anyway, great. I, I think this has been good. I think we should wrap it up pretty soon here. Uh, I just want to say thanks, man. That was a, that was a really good talk. I'm actually it it changed my mind on how I feel about sequels and sequel series, which I did not expect. Well, excellent. I'm glad we could uh, win the battle for your hearts and mind. Yeah, and so a lot of things we've talked about, a lot of uh, links and and notes uh, about what we're talking about, will be on the styleguide.ca. So go to the styleguides.ca, find this episode, episode number two, uh, um, sequels, and you can click a lot of the links, see what we've, see what we've been talking about, um, see some of the movies we've referenced if you didn't know them. And uh, other than that, I think we've been good, Siva. Nice work. Nice work. Well, uh, I guess we'll leave it there and uh, see you all next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.